0: Hey, thanks for listening to Cornerstone Church. You can find us on the web at akcornerstone.org. And we want you to know, it's our prayer that the Holy Spirit will use this message to either save you through the good news about Jesus Christ, grow you into the likeness of Jesus, or send you to proclaim Jesus in the Spirit's power. We are in the middle of this section of verses 6 through 13, the ninth chapter of Romans, and I just want to start this morning and I want to say to you, I love you. I truly love you. I'm your pastor. I love and I care about you and I want so deeply in my heart, I want to share what I share this morning and I want it to be good news for you. I want it to be good news because I believe it is incredible news and I'm just praying that I humbly can share it in such a way that you just... I'm just out of the way and you could just see the, the truth of God, the truth of His Word. I've said this before, you know, we're, we're dealing with subjects here in the ninth chapter of Romans that are extremely controversial, um, difficult, wide and deep, stretching of the mind, uh, hard to understand... But I just want the Spirit of God. Uh, I don't want to convince you of anything. I I really mean that. It's not my purpose, my goal to convince you of anything. My goal is just to unleash the Word of God and let it go and do what God wants to do with it. So I'm going to do my best to try to be faithful toward that end. Let me just give you a just a very brief recap on what we talked about last Sunday because what we're talking about this Sunday is just in direct connection to that. In looking at chapter 9, verses 6 to 12 last week, we talked about God's divine election. And the two points that I made from the text related to God's divine election was that God's divine election is free and it is unconditional. Free in that it is free from any outside influence impacting it. It's all in God and in God Himself. And then secondly, that it is the complementary truth to that, that it is unconditional. It has nothing to do with the person that He is electing or choosing. It is unconditional all of God and only of God, not contingent upon anything in the individuals that he is choosing for election. And what brought that out so pointedly in Romans chapter 9, Paul's description is he reached into Israel's past and he used two examples, Abraham's children and Isaac's children to prove the point that God's election is both free and unconditional. Let me just read verses 11, 12, and 13 to you again. Referring to Isaac's children, Paul writes, in verse 11, though they were not yet born and had done nothing either good or bad in order that God's purpose of election might continue, not because of works, but because of Him who calls, she, their mother Rebecca, she was told, the older will serve the younger, as it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. So Paul here is using the example of Jacob and Esau to make his point that God's election is free and unconditional. And the way that he does that is that he says, first of all, that it had nothing to do with Jacob or Esau. It was before they were born or had done anything good or bad that God elected them irrespective of that. So that it was something just in God Himself that chose to do that and had nothing to do with them, unconditional related to them. So free in God and God alone and unconditional related to them. So what that answered? that's what we looked at last week. And what that answered about election is this. It answered how God elects. So the answer to how God elects is this. He elects freely and unconditionally. He elects, that's not all we want to say about election. But he elects freely and unconditionally. And now this morning what I want to do is I want to go to the next step. And I want to answer this question. It's a question that is hinted at there in verse 11. We're going to look closely at the middle of verse 11 today and I'm going to spend the time basically just trying to unpack two different truths from the middle of verse 11. I'm going to read it again. In order that God's purpose of election might continue. So here is what Paul is saying here. He is using the example of Jacob and Esau and how God chose them, when he chose them, that it had all to do with God, nothing to do with them. And he says, that example was for this reason, so that the purpose of God's election might continue. So there is something in the way that God elects Jacob and not Esau. There's something in that that does this. It shows us, number one, what the purpose of God's election is, points to it, and then secondly, it helps that purpose to continue. Look again at the phrase, in order that God's purpose of election might continue. So that example does two things. It helps us to understand number one, what the purpose of God's election is, and number two, why that purpose will continue, why it will stand, why it will remain. So that's the two questions that I want to answer today. So this week, the first question is this. What is God's purpose for his free and unconditional election? What is the purpose of God for His free and unconditional election? First of all, let me just say this. Don't miss the the obvious. Don't miss the forest for the trees. Paul is wanting to tell us something here about the purpose of God's election. I mean, that's right there in the text, isn't it? He's referring to the purpose of God's election. So... Here is what I'd like to say related to that. This subject of election, God's eternal decision, eternal decrees throughout all of eternity. We've talked about and I've shared that those things are beyond our fully understanding. It's our finite mind coming to an infinite subject and we are absolutely incapable of fully understanding that. But listen, there is some aspects of it God wants us to understand. And he's telling us right here in the Word of God that what he wants us to understand is related to his purpose for election. He's talking about it. The Holy Spirit is inspiring Paul here to write about God's purpose of election. Why? Because he wants us to understand what that purpose is. So we're going to spend some time answering that question. What is the purpose that God has for His free and unconditional election. First of all, let me define the word purpose. It's important that you understand the force of this word because it really helps to give understanding to everything else that I'm going to say. This word purpose is a Greek word and it's prothesis, prothesis. And here is what it means. Let me just read you the definition to set before oneself to propose to oneself to purpose to determine to make a fixed determination and then carry that determination through until it's completed so when it says here in Romans 9:11 that God's purpose When it refers to God's purpose of election, it is saying this. It is something, it's a prothesis of God. It is something that God set before Himself and only within Himself and made a determination that He was going to do something. He was going to bring something about. That's the understanding of the word here for purpose in the Greek. So the dual emphasis then is this. Number one, it's a determined action by God. He says, I am going to do this. And then secondly, it is centered in him and him alone. He sets it before himself. He comes up with it only within himself and any outside influence. You see, that is exactly the same two aspects that we looked at last week with God's election, that it is free, it is only in himself and himself alone, and it is unconditional. Unconditional. It is a determined decision that he is going to make outside of anything else being considered. It's only him and him alone. It's both free and it's conditional. And he's determined to do it. So, Let's try to find an answer now to this purpose that God has for His free and unconditional election. And in order to do that, let me just clarify a few terms. Just the interchangeable term that is used with election. Let me show it to you, Mark chapter 13, verse 20. It says in Mark 13, 20, and if the Lord had not cut short the days, no human being would be saved, but for the sake of the elect whom he chose, he shortened the days. Now, I'm not preaching the message of Mark chapter 13, verse 20. I just want you to see one thing. I want you to see the interchangeable use of election and choosing. That the elect are those that God has Chosen. That term is used interchangeably in the New Testament in a number of occasions. So there, the elect are the chosen. What are they chosen for? One more clarification about election. What are they chosen for? 2 Thessalonians 2:13. But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved. Through sanctification by the spirit and belief in the truth. What did God choose you for? What did God elect you for? He did it so that He could save you. That's the reason why He chose you or the reason for Him choosing. And that is that those that He chooses, those that He elects, He will save. So, now let's look for an answer to the question... What is it specifically that God has determined? What is the fixed determination that He has set before Himself and that is within Himself and Himself alone that He is going to accomplish through His divine election? Let's see if we can find an answer to that question. And what I'm going to do first of all is I'm going to take you to the Apostle Peter in the New Testament. And we're going to look at what Peter says about what God wants to accomplish, what His purpose is for God's election. And then we're going to look at what Paul says. First of all, what does Peter say? First Peter 2.9. Peter writes, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, that word chosen again. Use interchangeably with the election, the elect are those God chooses. So you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. And here comes the purpose statement. That you may, there's the purpose statement, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. What is the purpose of God identified here, it is this. Peter says, God elects, God chooses for this reason, that those whom He chooses would declare the excellencies of Him, God, who called them out of darkness into light. You see, in God's choosing, in God's election, what He is doing, is He is producing a people for Himself, that will Proclaim His excellencies as the God who came into the darkness when they were absolutely hopeless and in bondage, enslaved to sin, in fact dead there, and called them out of that place and brought them by His power and put them into the kingdom of light. That is what God wants to accomplish through His election. He wants a people who will proclaim the excellencies of His saving work in them. That's what Peter says. Let's see if that, would, is that also what Paul says regarding election, the purpose of it. Ephesians chapter 1, 4 through 6. Paul writes, Even as God chose us in Jesus Christ before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless in love in in him I'm sorry, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. Here it comes, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Let me just show you the unfolding truth here, make it explicit the God who knows no beginning, what that God did was before He ever created the universe, this is what He did. He elected, He chose a people. Did you see that in verse 4? Even as God chose us in Him, Jesus Christ, before the foundation of the world. So the God who knows no beginning, Before creation, elected or chose His people. And then, what did God do to guarantee that election? How did God engage himself into the process then of history to guarantee that those that he chose would in fact be his children and be there with him throughout all of eternity. Here's what he did. In love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. So, His predestination is an outflow of His election or choice. And what does His predestination do? It accomplishes His purpose. That according to the purpose of His will, that those that He saves would be to the praise of His glorious grace. You see, it is the very same purpose. What God is doing in electing and choosing is that He is making a people that will be living for and proclaiming the glories of His grace. The an unbelievable truth that God chose them when they were vile sinners deserving of wrath and He just set His love upon them and called them to Himself and guarantees to take them all the way to glory so that those people live for the praise of the glory of his grace just like Peter said so that those people proclaim the excellencies of him who called them out of darkness into light it's the same purpose consistently through the new testament it is the same purpose the purpose of his election Is for the praise of the glories of His grace upon those that He elects. And then Paul, a few verses later, just make sure that we didn't miss it. He says it again, verse 11 and 12 of Ephesians chapter 1. In Him, Jesus Christ, we have obtained an inheritance. Having been predestined according to the purpose, there it is again, prothesis according to the purpose of God who works all things according to the counsel of his will another way to state the purpose that's his determined decision so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be what to the praise of his glory again it's the very same purpose the reason that God elects us, that He chooses us from before the foundation of the world is that He has determined that He is going to get something done. And that determination is in Himself and Himself alone, not based upon anything that we have done because it happened way before we were born or had done anything good or bad, but that He did it so that those That He chooses and then follows through and calls unto salvation that they would live lives to the praise of the glory of His incomprehensible grace. That they would go around rejoicing and telling people about the incredible grace and love of God that chose them even when they were dead and a rebel against God. That's the purpose. That is the purpose that Paul so clearly brings out here for God's election and that Peter so clearly brings out for the election of God. It is to bring about in our lives this overwhelming and bubbling up praise for the God who did that for even us. So that's the answer to the first question. Now can you see how the very nature of election itself accomplishes its purpose? Let me say that again. Can you see how the very nature of election that it is free in God and God only and that it is unconditional, not based upon what we do, that that very nature of election itself accomplishes the purpose of election causing us to well up in praise for what God has done for us. Why would it do anything different when we understand that what we really deserved was wrath and hell? Our sins deserve that. But God, instead of pouring out His wrath on us, lavished us with His grace and His love and His mercy in Jesus Christ so that we would rise up and say, Oh God, Your excellencies, Your grace is so incredible. I'm going to live for the praise of the glory of Your grace because I who deserved hell have been lavished with heaven and every other blessing that comes with Jesus Christ. You see the very nature of election accomplishes the very purpose of election. Now, that can help to answer one question that I've received a number of different times regarding election, kind of an objection to election or maybe not so much an objection but a question And the question is this, and that's a very valid question. Why preach on election? The question could be put in this terminology. Look, Brad, if election is so controversial, if it has the potential really to be a struggle in the hearts of people, then why would you stand up here in front of several hundred people, four or five hundred adults on a Sunday morning and share election that could really cause a stir in their hearts, maybe even cause some of them to say, I'm out of here. Well, I want you to know that it has nothing to do with me liking to stir the pot. I have no desire whatsoever to do that. No desire. But there is some very strong reasons why this message about God's free and unconditional election needs to be shared. And I want to answer that with two different categories of people. Here's the first category. Why do those who are already saved need to hear this? I think it's probably safe to assume that maybe at least half of you that are saved in here did not, when you got saved, understand this teaching. That you didn't grow up at, in your early Christian life uh, with this teaching. Maybe you're hearing it for the first time as we went through Romans chapter 8 and 9 here. So, if it wasn't needed for your salvation initially, why share it now? I mean, what's, what's the benefit of sharing it now once I'm already saved? Well, I think there's an incredibly Good answer to that question. And it has to do with the purpose of election. What's the purpose of election? is that when you understand the free and unconditional nature of God's election, it causes you, when you grasp the truth of it, to rise up and say, Oh my God, look what you have done for me. It causes the praises of God and the excellencies of God to come bursting out of your heart and through your lips and to those around you as you declare the excellencies of God and the praises of the God who called you out of darkness, rescued you when you were a hopeless captive in the dungeon of sin and brought you out with a mighty call and put you into the kingdom of light. You see, it is the very nature of the purpose of election that answers the question on why you need to know it if you're already saved. Because it will help you understand what really happened to you in salvation so that you will understand that you didn't do anything to deserve it? That what you deserved was hell justly. I deserved hell. Brad Suter deserved by my sin I should have been. If I would have gotten what I deserved to get, I would have spent eternity in hell. But I didn't get what I deserved, I am getting what I don't deserve in any degree. I am getting the lavished love of God on me because He elected me. He chose me. And then in a moment in my history, He effectually called me to Himself and gave me the faith to believe and granted me repentance unto life so that then I said, I believe and I was saved. You see, those who are saved that have not heard this or embraced this, they need to know it because it'll help the glory of God rise up in them and they will learn to trust less and less in themselves and be more and more dependent upon God and His grace, not just for salvation, but every moment of every day for the rest of their life so that they will live more after the holiness of God. You see, that's what the truth of election will do. It doesn't teach you to go out and sin because God loves you anyway. No, you become overwhelmed with His grace when you see it as you should. And what the love of God does is it motivates you to live a life of obedience and holiness. It motivates you to say no to sin and yes to God. Love is always a more powerful motive than law. Always. So here's the second question, main question of the day then. Has to do with that verse 11 again, Romans 9, 11. That phrase that talked about the purpose of God in election continuing. Here's the question. How does God's free and unconditional election guarantee that His purpose will continue? How does it guarantee that His purpose in election, quote, will continue or will remain or will stay steadfast? Now, that's fairly simple to answer that question in light of what we've just said, what I've just said. Here is how it guarantees it. It guarantees it because it is all of God. It guarantees it because it takes the election of God and puts it only in God Himself, not in any outside motivational factor not anything in us not anything related to our parentage or our upbringing not anything related to what we did or didn't do or would or wouldn't do it is all in God that's what that word purpose means it's all in God so that the election of God's purpose continuing as is as sure as God himself because God changes not God changes not. And so you can guarantee that the purpose that God has for election is going to continue because it is grounded upon and resting in God and God Himself. That's what makes it unchanging. That's what makes it continue. Now let me ask the question related, kind of the objection question related to the unsaved. Why would the unsaved need to hear about God's free and unconditional election? What is the purpose in that? How can that help the process if the unsaved hear about this thing that even the saved are just struggle with? Now there's a couple of answers to that question. And the first answer is this. That in salvation... God not only determines the ends that he's going to save, but he determines the means to the end, how he's going to save. So determining the ends means that he is going to Call a person who is in the kingdom of darkness, dead in sin. He's going to send forth an effectual call, regenerate them, wake them up so that they can now see. He's going to grant them faith to believe in repentance so that they can get saved. He's going to make sure that that happens and he's going to accomplish it. That's a part of the guaranteeing of what God is going to do that God says that he's going to do it and then that he follows through on that why would the unsaved then need to know that because it's part of the gospel it's part of the good news it's not all of the good news but it's part of the good news about Jesus Christ Jesus said you didn't choose me but I chose you You see, it's part of the good news. And what does God use the good news to do? He uses the good news when it is shared, the good news of the gospel, to bring faith so that the person is saved. That's the means to the end. So, A part of the message of of salvation of the gospel is that God freely and unconditionally elects those that He's going to save. And sometimes when that's shared, God takes that truth of the gospel and He sends it into a heart and He wakes that heart up with it and they oh my goodness, I see it now by the divine inspiration of the Spirit. They are regenerated as that truth is shared and God uses it to bring them to Jesus for salvation. You see, it's a part of the means by which He accomplishes the end. So, the truth of the gospel, all of the truth of the gospel is good to share because it accomplishes salvation. Here's the second reason. Maybe even a more pointed reason. And I want the worship team to come up as I share this last point. Second reason why it is good for the lost to hear about the free and unconditional election of God. And it's because of the lie of Satan. They need to hear about it because of the lie of Satan. Say, so what do you mean by that, Brad? What lie of Satan? I want you to just picture for a moment or consider for a moment someone that by the world's standards we would say, wow, that is a real vile sinner. I mean, there is someone that has really plumbed the depths of sin or some of you, I'm sure right here, right now, I am, I'm thinking, wow, that was me. That was me. I know the blackness of my heart in sin. I know how far that I went and the things that I did. And listen to this. The lie of the enemy at times can be this. God can never save you. I mean, after what you did... After the depths of sin that you plunged, your black heart, you think the grace of God would save you? Forget it. Forget it. God would not choose you. God would never come and offer you grace after what you have done. Now, watch this. Do you see how the truth about God's free and unconditional election is a sledgehammer that shatters that truth? Because God's free and unconditional election is just that. It doesn't matter what you've done. It makes no difference how deep you plunged into sin and how wicked you were. It doesn't matter because God didn't choose you and elect you because of something that you did. He elected you because He chose to do it. So it doesn't matter what you've done. There is no hindrance. Your past life and the depths of sin are no hindrance to the saving truth of Jesus Christ. It's true that God's election is free and unconditional. It's open to anybody that God chooses. You see, the truth of election defeats that lie of the enemy, completely defeats it if you really understand that truth. God's free and unconditional election is good news. Oh, it is such good news. And I'm praying, God, that you would let that news, that good news about you choosing us settle into our hearts and cause there to rise up within us the praises of the excellencies of your grace and your mercy on our lives. Thereby accomplishing your purpose of election. In Jesus' name.